Welcome to the Pretty Healthy Family Podcast. We're passionate about helping you restore your metabolism for confidence, energy, and fat loss without giving up the foods you love. We're your hosts, Josh and Brittany. Listen for simple, easy-to-follow tips and strategies that you can start implementing today to get long-term results. We're so glad you're here. Let's go ahead and jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Healthy Family Podcast. Welcome back. All right. The topic for today is going to be around a book that I read. So it was Hungry Brain, Outsmarting the Instincts That Make Us Overeat by Stephen Gouinet. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm sure it's like close enough. It sounds French. um, And one day maybe I'll learn French, put that on the New Year's resolution list. Along with Spanish, that's been on the New Year's resolution <laughs> list for about 10 years. Do you do New Year's resolutions no, anymore? <laughs> not really. Got it. Um, but <laughs> at the end of this book, and I, I thought the book was really great. It really talked about how certain foods uh, give us rewards and we how it changes how our brain works and how certain foods really impact our behavior and our body and a lot of great great things. So I definitely recommend the book and we'll have it linked in the show notes um, on how to buy it. Um, but at the end of the book, it gave five or six recommendations. If you're looking for a healthy life, these are some recommendations that it gave. So I wanted to walk through those six recommendations and then get your feedback and really how can I take some of these recommendations and put them into real life? Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Let's talk about it. So number one is fix your food environment. Reduce your exposure to food cues and create effort barriers. Mm. So we've talked about this before, and it's really like the idea of clean out the kitchen or clean out the cupboard with anything you don't want to eat. There's a saying, if it's in the house, either someone you love or you will end up eating it. What are your thoughts on that? I do think that that is pretty accurate for the most part, but I mean, we've talked about this before. I think there are two camps of people. There are the people who need to remove it from their house because they're going to eat it. But then there are the people who have had this relationship, this not so healthy relationship with food who need to actually expose themselves to these food like a little bit each and every day. So it can be actually helpful to have some of these foods in the house. But I still think even so, you can still be cautious of which foods you choose to have into into the house. And there's still a little bit of a thought process that you put into it, even so. Yeah. And I like the idea, um, but there's a little saying in there that you had that I want to unpack is, how can I have just a little bit each day? So if my issue is around like impulse control, how do I create that little bit each day without going through the entire cupboard, let's say it's chocolate. How do I have the one bar of chocolate Mm -hmm. and not the entire package? I think a lot of that goes to the psychology, like the way our brains think. As soon as we say, no, we can't have something, that restriction says, oh my gosh, but I want it. I mean, just look at our toddler. Mm-hmm. Like you take something o- away from him or another kid takes his toy that he wasn't even playing with. And suddenly it's, oh my gosh, you're playing with my toy. <laughs> yeah. Like you weren't even playing with it. <laughs> yeah. And then he, like, you just bring up something shiny and he's like, oh, I forgot about that toy. <laughs> like it never existed. But that's how our brains work. So as soon as we say, oh, we can't have something, then we just want more of it and we can't stop thinking about it. So if we can retrain our brains to say, oh, wait, I can actually have this. I can have something. I can have a little bit every day. And then mm-hmm. as you're eating it, you say, oh, 
Like I can set this down because I can have more later. I can have more tomorrow. I can have more next week. And then you realize, oh, I'm full. (laughs) I don't even want it. Granted, this is a process. It took you years to create these habits. So it's going to take probably not years, but it's going to take time to unlearn these habits that have Mm -hmm. been made. So we just have to figure out like how to get from A to B. And that's just allowing a little bit here and there. And in the beginning, it's going to be a lot harder and you are more likely to binge and you are all going to binge. Even those with the healthiest relationship food are going to have moments where they binge. And that is something that you also have to accept. Yeah. So is there a tip or trick to make sure that it's only a little bit each time. So let's say I'm coming home with a whole sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) And am I packaging up like two at a time in little packages? Um, Or is it like I'm counting on myself to have the self-restraint that I'm only going to take two from that sleeve? I think that depends on the person. Some people do really well to put things in packages because then it feels like, oh, I'm completing the whole snack. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm down to the crumbs and that feels really good. And mentally that is satisfying. Whereas some people that doesn't work for them. Some people need to put their thoughts on a piece of paper or talk it out with a friend. There are different v- avenues that people need to go to. But the first step is awareness and recognizing that you have been restricting these foods for maybe a really long time. And that is perhaps why you want them so badly. Yeah. I, I, and I think back to my obsession for pretzels. I, that is my like thing. I'm the salty guy. <laughs> and I would go from a full bag of pretzels, one of the bigger bags. And then I would go in the other section where it just has like 10 small bags in, I guess it's mainly for kids. But to put in their lunches, but I would just the different style of packaging really helped me. Like I'll get that small bag. It's probably 80 calories, a hundred calories for enough pretzels to satisfy the craving while like preventing me from just binging on the entire huge bag while I'm watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, cause in the, in the end, most of the time when I'm wanting it, it's to distract me while I, or it's, it's mindlessly eating while I'm watching TV or something like that. So So the other aspect of this is create effort barriers. So again, this goes into the idea that we're cleaning out the kitchen. We're, we're wanting to have less food in the house that isn't on our health plan. So creating effort barriers by taking all that food out, let's say ice cream is my vice If I want ice cream, I'm going to have to go to the store. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take more steps to get to that, I guess, non-ideal food Mm -hmm. than it would be to just say, I guess a banana would suffice. Right. So technically, you're still allowed to have that food and you can still have it every single day. You're just making it a little harder for you to have to go get that food. Yeah. And I think that's a great strategy for many people. And I think a, a good way to look at this is... When you're looking at the foods you want in your life, how do I arrange the steps where those ideal foods become your default? Mm-hmm. So it's the the least amount of steps is going to be the food that should be on my health plan instead of the foods that shouldn't be on the health plan. So if it takes eight steps to go to McDonald's and it's only three steps to go in the kitchen and have some food that is part of my meal prep, then I'm going to default to the 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 three steps as opposed to the eight step. 
And I think another way to think about these barriers is surrounding yourself with people who have similar goals as yourself. Because mm-hmm. they say, isn't it something like you are most like the five people, people you yeah. spend time with? Yeah. And if you are spending your time with people who are constantly surrounding themselves with these food, it's going to be a lot harder for you. So maybe it's allowing it's maybe it's shifting your your friend circle mm-hmm. or the people you spend the most time with who actually have similar goals as you. And that may mean going up on meetup.com. These are all things that I have done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, to try to meet these people. Hopefully or these Facebook things still groups. exist. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Facebook groups are a huge one now. Yeah. Those are definitely still around. And even just putting a shout out like, hey, I'm looking for friends who have these same values. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Does anyone want to meet up to go for a walk? And- yeah, I definitely felt that pressure. Um, and this is me kind of recalling those single days where I was going out every weekend and drinking and I wanted a healthier environment. I wanted to be on a healthier path. So I started just not drinking on the weekends and I felt a disconnection Mm. with that friend group. And this really required me to go search for other friend groups that kind of shared those similar beliefs. And it's it's hard. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage, a lot of bravery. I mean, talk a lot about a lifestyle change. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a huge lifestyle change. And so the people who you connect with may have to shift to create that environment that's the healthiest environment for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like the advice. And uh, so the next one is going to be manage your appetite. Understand appetite and look for more satiating meals. Usually this, this involves simpler foods. Mm-hmm. And I think this speaks to really the core beliefs of Pretty Healthy Family is let's get back to the simplicity of health and general movement, get in eight hours of sleep and minimally processed or whole foods. Mm-hmm. And by doing that and and making sure you're hitting your proteins, but even with just a minimally processed food mindset you're more satiated after every meal. Yeah. Even if you just did that one thing alone, just mm-hmm. reach for more minimally processed foods, that alone is going to make a big difference in how feel how full you feel. Yeah. And, and so with managing your appetite, you end up not being hungry as often, mm-hmm. which we, we've talked about hunger before in terms of I'm getting those hunger pains, I'm going to reach for something or I'm bored, I'm reaching for something. And if I have that satiated or fullness feeling, I'm going to register like maybe I should just go for a walk or maybe I should call a friend or maybe I should just do something um, because sometimes it is just boredom. So mm-hmm. managing your appetite by prioritizing simpler foods um, is going to be very helpful. And I do think that we do have to re put a re-emphasis again on protein because mm-hmm. it is the most satiating macronutrient of all of them. And so many people, women in particular, I found are under eating it. And just by increasing the protein alone, you might just feel so much fuller that you just don't have all those hunger signals and you're less likely to overeat just by doing that one little tweak. Yeah. I, I mean, I see the same thing with the guy clients that I have in that we're usually bigger guys. So we think, well, the 120, 140 grams of protein is a lot, and it is. Mm -hmm. But because we're 180, 200 pounds, we're the the best scenario for us is to get in those 180 grams to 200 grams of protein, and that starts that's has to be intentional. 
Very intentional. It's you do need to meal prep and plan or think about it in advance. It doesn't protein doesn't just fall on your plate the way carbs can. <laughs> yeah. And, and in, in that. So it's like the protein at, at a minimum, 20% of your overall diet should include fats, which is another very satiating uh, macronutrient. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm prioritizing those two basic foundational elements. And then I can use my energy levels to ramp up my carbs or ramp down my carbs. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with fats as well. It's just, it all depends on your personal preference and how your body works. And though fiber isn't a macronutrient, it's still a very important nutrient. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of falls naturally into the category when you're eating minimally processed foods, as a lot of this does, except for protein, you have to really think about. But getting more fiber, it actually is filling and helps you stay fuller for longer because it takes your body body longer to break down. So that's another one that's really helpful to aim for a certain area. And usually it's what 25 to 35 grams per person, women being on the lower end, men being on the higher. And that is, you have to figure out what is good for you based on managing your hunger levels and also uh, digestion. (laughs) Because too much is also not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, (laughs) like most things is just too much isn't a good thing. Even if I have too high of protein, even though I love like a, an all steak diet that just sounds great. But there's going to be a point where I'm missing Mm -hmm. carbs. I'm missing certain fats. I'm missing foods, which kind of goes back to our point before is then I start craving other foods. And that's not good. It's not good physically or mentally. Yeah, it's the the pretty healthy life mentality of I want to be able to have pizza. I want to be able to have all these things that bring Mm -hmm. joy to my life. Saturday night, pizza um, night. Saturday night, pizza night. <laughs> and the, the the latest thing we've been doing is uh, Popcorn Fridays. Oh, yeah. But I we love, forgot to do it last Friday. I love Popcorn Fridays. Real quick, if you haven't already downloaded our Macros and Metabolism Makeover Guide, you're going to want to do that as soon as possible. It's a great resource to learn how to safely and sustainably lose fat and manage your weight on your own without any crazy detoxes or calorie restrictions. Visit our website at prettyhealthyfamily.com or check out the show notes to download it. Okay, back to the episode. All right, the next one, and this is kind of funny that we ended on a pizza and popcorn is beware of food (laughs) rewards. So anything that's like, Salt, sugar, fat, acid, when you combine those, there's a whole book about this, but when you combine those, our taste buds go through the roof. Mm-hmm. And then we just want to eat more of it. Yeah. And so what it talks about in the book is how when those combination of elements come into food, our brain just triggers like, this is great. This is what I want. And if we think about it in terms of how we evolved when we met those kind of foods, that was a reward. Our body has been evolved to want even more of those. And there are scientists out there who are, who know this information. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're purposely processing foods to inject all the salt, sugar, fat, acid that they can to make the food reward through the roof without caring about nutrient density or anything like that. Yeah. And that causes you to crave the food more. I mean, the companies are literally hiring these scientists to engineer food. So it's designed to be overeaten, Mm -hmm. which is another emphasis on why whole minimally processed food diet can be so helpful because you can avoid this conundrum. And one of the things that I like about 
this is, it says, beware of food rewards, not omit all food rewards. Mm -hmm. And that goes into something that I feel like we believe very strongly in is the 80-20 principle. Well, 80% of our diet falls into that minimally processed whole foods, stuff that hits all the, the check marks of a pretty healthy life, where the 20%, it's probably going to be the pretty healthy balance of food rewards, salt, fat, acid, stuff like that. So like we've talked about the popcorn and pizza, that's part of our 20%. And yeah, it's still contributing to the ideal calories that we want, the ideal protein and carbs, but it is those that food reward that helps us live the life that we want to live happily and healthy. Mm -hmm. We need that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number four is make sleep a priority. Your, the lack of sleep impacts decision-making, and it helps with your circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. Sleep is so important for so many things, but it is so crucial for our hunger hormones because it sends – if we don't sleep enough, it sends out that signal for ghrelin. Mm -hmm. It's that hunger hormone that makes us hungry. Mm -hmm. And the less sleep we get, the louder that signal is going to be because it – our bodies want energy and energy is food. So that signal is going to get really loud and that's going to just make it really hard for us to keep from overeating. Yeah. And we're burning calories when we're asleep, but not as much as when we're awake. So it's pretty obvious that if we're awake more in the day, we're going to be burning more calories in the day. If we're mm -hmm. burning more calories, ghrelin's going to say, hey, we have an imbalance here and I need more food. And many times, just like it says, is that's going to trigger the food rewards portion. It's not going to trigger, hey, get more broccoli. It's not going to trigger, <laughs> hey, you need more carrots and things like that. So it's going to say, I'm I'm not mentally 100%. So let's go for more food rewards as opposed to healthier rewards. And also, whatever you eat, your gut basically has a brain too. So the more of what you eat, it tends to be what your body craves. So if you're eating those high reward foods, your gut is more likely to continue to send the signal to eat those high reward foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sleep is so important. And the interesting thing about sleep is for most people, and this is a 99% of people do best in that seven to nine. And there are a lot of people who do well with five or six. And what the studies seem to show is that the people who are doing well at five to six is because they've adapted to five or six. And as they start to transition to seven to nine, they can adapt to that and they can be a little bit better, but they're still decent. And I think it's one of those awareness things that we don't know what we don't know because we've been in this rut or we've been in this routine for so long of getting, let's say, five hours or six hours that once our body starts getting seven to nine, we can start feeling a little bit better and we almost forgot what that feeling is like. Mm -hmm. So if you are in that boat that's only getting five to six, that's not bad, but you are, in in my opinion... And I don't have any science to prove this, but you're putting a limit on your ability to have a healthier life. Mm -hmm. Like there's a ceiling there. Yeah. Um, because it's just sleep is just so important. All right. Number five, move your body. So it helps manage calories 
and try to move a little bit every day, a mixture between high intensity, medium intensity, and low intensity with strength training. (laughs) So this seems to cover every aspect of exercise, but just move your body. Mm -hmm. Just move your body. And just the movement that you get just moving your body throughout the day makes up 20% of the calories you burn in a day, up to Mm -hmm. 20%. Mm -hmm. So that alone is huge. Just getting up and going to the bathroom, getting some water, standing up every few minutes at your desk. If you have the opportunity to, and the ability to get a walking pad, if you're at a computer all day, like Mm -hmm. those things are such great ways to just increase that movement a little bit more. In addition to your intentional movements, like going to the gym and strength training or doing your cardio. Yeah. And I, I love how they talk about a low intensity, medium intensity, and a high intensity and strength training. Mm-hmm. So there are many buckets that we'd want all of our clients to to dabble in because there's going to be points in our life we're going to be in one of those situations. There's going to be a point where I need to lift something heavy. So I should be lifting something heavy on a regular basis. There's going to be a point where I may need to get up and sprint to chase after our kid <laughs> who's running down the street. Mm-hmm. So I need to incorporate some higher intensity movements. And then a lot of what we do is more low intensity with things like walking, like you said, some more of the the neat mm-hmm. things that we end up doing. So having that variety of exercises in your program is very helpful and enjoying your movement is also very helpful. Yes, clearly, because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to keep going back, which yeah. is the most important thing in the end. If you show up and you do 100% every time you go, but you're only going once a week, you're not going to get nearly as far as if you just do a subpar workout three times a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So try to getting get in some movement every day. And it doesn't need to be, it could be a walk around the block. That could be the checking that off. I know for Sundays, it's usually my rest day. So we'll do maybe go to the park or walk around the block a couple times. And that's about it. And, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Um, but the body loves movement. Mm-hmm. And it helps just like burn calories. The more we strength train, the more we'll build muscle. Our muscle will burn um, many more calories than uh, fat will. So um, and it shapes our body. And it shapes our body. It's yeah. the only type of exercise that quite literally shapes the body. And you can transform your shape based on the strength training movements you choose and the program you follow. Yeah. A uh, saying I heard, and I really like it, is calories dictate the size of our body. Our exercise dictates the shape of our body. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's so accurate. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. The last one in I honestly feel like this is one of the most important ones is manage stress. The stress gives your stress response system the right cues by so correct management of stress will give your body the right cues, whether to burn calories or not to burn calories to really function in the way that we're intended to function. Um, you spoke about how our gut is the second brain, but if it feels stress, it's going to react in in different ways as well. So stress is such a huge part of the overall landscape of health. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different kinds of stress. There's the the stress from exercise, like from over-exercise. There's there's a little bit of stress is good Mm -hmm. because we want to put stress on our body. That's what exercise is. That's what even eating some plant foods, like it puts a little bit of stress on your body. 
um, saunas and cold showers, like all that puts a little bit of stress in your body. That's good, but you can take it too far for you personally. And um, that that kind of stress puts so much stress on your body. It can signal to your body to just go into survival mode and just be scared and start storing like all these, the calories as fat, which is not what we want it to do. So whatever you need to do to de-stress is what you need to do, whether that's go for a walk or I know you love to journal and meditate. Like those are great stress relieving activities. For some people it's yoga. So how can you structure your life in a way to de-stress as much as possible? Yeah. And I really like how you say that is that there are good aspects of stress. There are ways that we all intentionally put stress on our body. And I guess what I'm thinking is there's a difference between intentional stress and then environmental stress that just Mm -hmm. comes on us. So if I have deadlines at work, that's more of an environmental stress that I'm put Mm -hmm. on myself. So I need certain stress mitigation techniques like meditation and journaling and those type of things to lower the unintentional stress and then by increasing some of the intentional stress that through working out, eating certain foods, mm-hmm. I can make, I can find that correct balance. That helps you become stronger in order to balance the environmental stress. Yes. Although you can take this too far too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which creates <laughs> too much stress. Yeah. So, so it's always finding that balance. It's always finding <laughs> that balance. And one of the biggest things I think people underestimate when starting their health journey is not factoring in how much stress is in their life. Mm -hmm. So like we've both coached many women who are saying, I want to get fit for my wedding. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of stress that's involved with that process of getting married and arranging all the stuff that you need to do and adding health to that mix is just going to increase that stress. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't do this if you're no, that <laughs> bride-to-be, but you have to factor all that in. So as your stress from managing the events and all that kind of thing is there, how are your food cues with your environment, food rewards? How does that look? How does your workout routine? How's your rhythm and routine in life? And how do you find that balance? Because you're going to need to balance that because stress is going to dictate every decision that you make. So if it's a, it's an extremely stressful environment, you may not have the success that you would if you actually manage your stress a little bit better on the front end. I love it. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a really good book. It is. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, <laughs> it's rather long. I think I, I did the audio version. I think it was like, 10, 13 hours, but um, really enjoyed the book. I think it has a lot of uh, great things in there. Um, it talked about if you were overweight, how that um, really creates a a level of hunger that it takes a lot of intentional work to bring back down. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy to just lose 10 pounds and all of a sudden you're good with that weight in terms of your hunger levels, it's going to take six months, a year, maybe even longer for your food hunger signals to come back down to that new weight. So we do see how people who have or plan on losing weight do have a more difficult time than people who have been lean their whole life. Um, so it just really was eye-opening and, and something that was a good reinforcement to the education that we both received around coaching, around health coaching and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, closing thoughts? None. All right. 
Thank you for listening. And we are starting a uh, YouTube channel to see, to do the video version of this podcast. So thanks to you who are watching the video version. Thanks so much. Stay pretty healthy. Stay pretty healthy. If you know you're ready to lose weight and build muscle while simultaneously improving your relationship with food, but would love some additional support, we're here to help you. We know that dieting too strictly for too long can slow your metabolism and we can help you restore it with our proven PHF method. We've helped hundreds of others reach their physique and health goals without having to give up the foods they love or constantly being on a diet. And we'd love to help you too. Fill out the obligation-free application in the show notes or at prettyhealthycoaching.com.